God is good. Amen. I want you to do something. How many, how many of you grew up in church? If you grew up in church, raise your hand. All right, you can have your seats. If the rest of you, you can stand up for the rest of the service. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. I'm joking. But, but, so if you grew up in church, how, you, how many of you remember the sword drills? You guys ever, when you were in church, you didn't have a sword drill? Okay, so just, people are looking at me like, what's that? Like, it's where you take out real swords? No, I'm just kidding. All right? So, so it's what, what happens is when you know, there's a certain place in the Bible and your youth pastor or your children's pastor, and they will say a scripture, and then you got to get there as fast as you can. And the first person to get there wins, you know, bragging rights, really, right? And so I was blessed to grow up in church. So, you know, I actually got disqualified from a lot of sword drills because I was always the first person there. But it's because my dad, like, we actually did a minor prophet's this Bible study in my house. So that gives you an idea of where we came from, right? So I was always there. So tonight I'm going to give you a sword drill because I'm going to tell you to go someplace where we very rarely go. I want you to go to Lamentations. Chapter three. Yeah, we, we don't spend a lot of time in Lamentations. And there's a reason for that. Because if you look up uh, the word lament, um, it actually means it's to have grief. It's a prayer of grief and sorrow. Come on, that, there's no faith in that, right? And so, and so but, but in the middle of this, and just to kind of get you set up to what, what, we're, what, we're, what we're stepping into as we're reading through Lamentations, that, that what we're stepping into here is, this is, this is after years, this is 400 years of, 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 of the Israelites living their life. And, and, and this is at the end. The, the Lamentation is, is one of Jeremiah's last ways to try to lay out what they've been doing and how they've been acting and how God needs them to change because the set destruction of how they were living their life was in front of them. And so, uh, so, so the book of Lamentations is really kind of a way, it's a prayer to say, hey, this is where you've been living. This is where you've been. This is how your life has gone. Come on, if we could just change this, this is how we would change it. And so, and so it, it's kind of interesting because one of the most popular scriptures that you will know is in Lamentations. And, it's, and, it, and it's, about, it's about mercy. And it says, through the Lord's mercies, this is verse 22, chapter, or chapter 3, verse, thir- verse 22. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassion failed not. And then verse 23 says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Mercies of God are new every morning. Isn't that awesome? Come on, how many of you are happy that the, okay, so the rest of y'all, hopefully y'all be happy by the end of this message, all right, about the mercies of God. But the, the mercies of God, the fact that they are there for us are new every morning. We need that. One of the things that happens to me whenever I open up the Bible, there are two themes that always come out to me every time. One is the theme of worship. I see worship not just as a, as a song, but as a lifestyle. And then the other thing that I see is purpose. And within it, I see, you know, purpose and how God is driving us to where he wants us to go, to the places that he's called us to be, and that God is very intentional. And so the idea of, of his mercies being new every morning does what? It, it allows me to go back to a place where I have to start to look at my life a little bit, right? And I have to realize that, that those mercies are necessary. Come on, let me say that again. Come on, let me say that again. That those mercies are necessary. How many of you have driven in this town before? 
that outburst of wrath, those mercies are necessary, right? Like, like it's necessary. Like the mercies of the, of the Lord, are, they're necessary all the time. Why? Because within my walk of life, and we'll talk about this as, as we go through, there, there are different situations, there are different things that have happened. And there, there are, and, and, you know, uh, you know, I can think about when I first moved here, which was, you know, 23 years ago, you know, the Dan then, you know, well, man, he learned a lot in 23 years, right? There, it'd be really cool if Dan now could go back and tell Dan then like, hey, dude, like, here's a couple of places you need to do something different. And come on, can I just say that? In that 23 years, guess where I've been? Well, I've been here doing the plan of God. But I want to make sure it's make, I wasn't, you know, I'm not out living for the devil. I'm here doing the plan of God. And yet there's still things and there's still moments that I would love to look back and go back and go, hey, hey, man, you could do this a little bit different. So, so, but now we could spend, man, we could spend so much of our time playing the what if game, right? We could, we could spend so much of our time playing what if, what if I could, what if, and no, unless one of you have invented a time machine yet, so no, it's impossible for us to go back and fix it, right? And it's really, can I just tell you, it's a waste of true worship to talk, to think about what you did in the past. What does Paul say? He forgets the things that were behind him and press towards the things that are in front of him. That's actually good or bad. Because the positive flow or the positive place that God wants you to go is in front of you. Man, let me say that again, because I want to make sure you understand. The positive place, the, the positive flow, the next step, the big thing that God has for you, guess what? It's yet to come. Man, you don't know what I used to do, yet the bigger thing is yet to come. And so then it becomes important for us to stop looking behind us at past successes. I had a, had a friend in, in, in college and, you know, we would get together and then, you know, in college, you, I, I don't know how many of you played intramural sports in college. Um, I, I went to ORU and we played every, my, my wing, we played every intramural sport. We even did like, you know, like there was like disc golf. We played everything. We played everything to win. And so I have a, f- a friend in college, whenever you get together, what does he want to talk about? He wants to talk about all those touchdown passes he caught in intramural football in college. Right? <laughs> like, like, we enjoy that. Our, our wives don't necessarily enjoy that. But there's nothing. First of all, we're not going back doing that again, right? That's how you, you, know, that's how you pull a hamstring, right? So, you know, so, but, but the idea is that Whatever happened then, as great as it was and as glorious as that moment was, man, we're not going back to do that again. God has bigger things and better things for us. And so the one of the things I love about the, the Bible is the fact that the Old Testament gives us lifestyles and it gives us patterns of lives. So we get a chance, instead of us figuring out how to make our mistakes and how to, you know, we get a chance to look at somebody else's mistake and go, oh yeah, wait, let's look at what they did and do something differently. And so I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 18. And in this case, we're not necessarily going to talk about something to do differently, but necessarily something to do that worked well. 
but so that you could understand why this moment is, is, is such so good that we're about to read about, I'm going to have to take you back in history a little bit to, for, for Israel so you can understand a little bit about, about the past. And so if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 8, you'll see the Israelites asked for something very interesting. They asked for a king. Now, it's interesting. Why is that interesting? Well, they had the best king that you could possibly ever ask for, right? They already had a king that made them the best nation that they could possibly ever be. Yet, what they were doing is they were, they were doing this thing that sometimes Christians do, and they did the compare-itis thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one guilty of that. But where you look at somebody else, and you're like, man, what are they doing? I want to I wanna do what they're doing. And so they got caught up in that, that, that idea. And all the nations around them had this guy who was in charge of their nation who was a king. And they were like, we want one of those. And so God made this horrible deal with them. It was a horrible deal for them. It was a horrible deal. Basically, you had to give away a bunch of stuff. And I can really go through all the details. But you had to give away all this stuff. And if you give away your kids, your land, your, your, your mom, your dads, everybody has to be given and then I'll give you a king. And they were like, bet, we'll take it. And so they signed on the dotted line and they got a king. And the first king they got was Saul. And, and as you go through, and if you ever go through and you read about Saul, you know, the one thing you'll learn about Saul, and we'll say this a little bit later, Saul uh, wasn't a bad king. He didn't take Israel away from the things of God. You know, and and you'll, you'll read about kings all through, through First and Second Kings and, and First and Second Chronicles who took the people of God away from God. Saul didn't do that, but Saul had a problem where he served himself more than he served God. And so because he served himself, God could never get him to serve him. So therefore, so he could serve his people. So God removed him and then he put David in place. Now, David is really, really unique because David became the benchmark for every king after that. When you go through and you read through the Bible, it says, and they serve the Lord like their father, David. Now, I'm gonna, we'll, we'll circle back around to this too, but, but you'll understand that David didn't have a perfect life and yet he was the benchmark. So there had to be something that David did that made him the benchmark for those who did serve him and for those who didn't. So you know, we, we get through David and then we have Solomon. And Solomon started off well. He started off good. He started off really young, having a dream from God. And Solomon did this one thing that, that you have to give him credit for, right? He asked for, God was like, look, I will give you anything that you want. God visited him in a dream, said, I'll give you anything you want. And you know, I don't know, if God visited you tonight and asked you to have anything you want, how many of y'all would ask for wisdom? Okay, man, don't lie. Tell the truth. Shame the devil, all right? That's what Solomon asked for. He asked for wisdom. He's like, you, you've given me this job to be over these people. I don't know if I'm capable enough to do this. How about you just give me wisdom so that I can do the job right? And God was so impressed with the fact that he asked for wisdom that he gave him wisdom and a bunch of other stuff. But then Solomon did something interesting. He forgot where he started. He forgot why he re- re- received the wisdom. He forgot that the, that the, the purpose of, of him being king was to follow God. And in his later years, he started to follow other gods. And he, he allowed, uh, we'll call it his vice, to take him in different direction. If you know the story of Solomon, that's funny, okay? I just want you to know that. 
And so, so he allowed that to take him a different direction and where he didn't serve God anymore. And God, as a punishment to Solomon, did what? He took the kingdom away from Solomon, but because he loved David so much, he left a part of that kingdom in his family. And so now we have two kingdoms. We have the kingdom of Israel, and we have the kingdom of Judah. And the kingdom of Israel, if you go through, you'll find out that they didn't have a good king. They, they struggled to find a good king who could actually serve God like their father David. But when we get to 2 Kings, we, after, a, after a, a series of really bad kings, we get to 2 Kings chapter 18, and we get to verse 4. And verse 4 takes us to Hezekiah. Let me just tell you this about Hezekiah. He's just become king, and he's 25. Now, this is, this is and, and if you want to know what his first 25 years was like, well, the, the king before him didn't serve God. So now the, the moment has come and it's his. And what did he do with it? It says, and he removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images and broke in pieces the bronze servant that Moses that Moses had made for until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. And he trusted in the Lord of Israel so that after him, none, none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were there before him. For he held fast to the Lord and he did not depart from following him. He kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses and the Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. And he subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and, it was, and its territory from, from, watchtower, from the watchtower to fortified city. Hezekiah did what the last guys didn't do. He served God. And he did something that I think is really interesting. And this is, this is where we get into the, 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 uh, the, the, the ritualism of, of Christianity sometimes. When we say this, he kept the commandments. And when we say that, man, you know, there's this, the, everybody, the minute I said that, there was a different, there's different ideas that popped up. I wish I could see like little, little, little circles of your ideas. So I could like, Ooh, that's a funny one. What, what is that? You know, like, you know, I wish I could see that, but there was, there's an idea that when we say commandments, what that means. But what I love is how Jesus took the idea of commandments and he took them from a place of making them just rules and regulations. And he took them and he put them into a relationship. And so for us to follow the same example that Hezekiah did, who, who was prosperous because he did what? Well, he followed the commandments of God. He was prosperous because he did what God asked him to do. So then if I'm going to take that idea of, of, of what what Hezekiah did and then apply that measure of prosperity to my life, understanding that the most prosperous I'll ever be in anything I do is in following God. Come on, let me say that again. The most prosperous, the most prosperous thing I can do in my life is follow God. And so what Jesus did is Jesus took that. And I want you to go to Mark with me real quick. I want you to go to Mark chapter 12. And the most prosperous thing that, that, that Hezekiah did in his life was serve God. The most prosperous thing that we can do is to serve God. But then can we get out? Because this becomes super important. This becomes super important to where we're, where, where we're going in this message. But, it becomes super important that we take the, the, the rule and regulation side of it. 
and make it a relationship. So can I tell you something? How many of you, (laughs) it's a tricky question. How many of you are in a relationship in here? Okay, that should be everybody, unless you live by yourself in a place by yourself. Anybody, everybody, raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand. Everybody in here has a relationship with somebody, right? Can I tell you something that's really interesting about your relationship? Whether it's with your, your, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your dog, your bird, you got a relationship, right? And in that relationship, there are rules. Come on, come on. Does that fire you up, make you want to run around the room? There's rules. Yay, relationship comes with rules. In reality, but we don't look at them like rules. And why don't we look, look at them like rules? Because of the love or the relationship that we have. It doesn't become rules until there's no love. Come on, I got to say that again. It doesn't become rules until there's no love. You know, that one person where they want you to do that one thing this particular way all the time. Ugh. Well, if there's no love, then all of a sudden it becomes a rule and not a part of the relationship. Come on, I just gave somebody the key right there to good relationships. It's to make sure that you apply your relationship with love and that takes whatever it is that could be defined as a rule and make it a part of the relationship. And so it becomes, it becomes super, super important for us to make sure we do that. Uh, so so my... my I have a I have a young I have a young son, and he's growing he's growing daily, in personality too, it's really neat. And so uh, and so the, the other day uh, somebody stopped and they said hi, and you know hey how you doing blah 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 and they said hey buddy how are you, and then they walked away and when they walked away he had a frown in his face. I was like but what's what's wrong? And he goes he called me buddy. I was like, okay, he called you buddy. Is there, is there something wrong with that? He's like, I don't like it when, when he calls me buddy. <laughs> and I said, well, man, I call you buddy all the time. And he goes, you're daddy. And so what he, he just, in that particular relationship, guess what he created? Well, he created a rule. So, you know, uh, probably about a week or so ago, I saw the person who said hi to him, who called him buddy. And I was like, by the way, uh, don't say buddy to my son again. He doesn't like that. (laughs) Shouldn't change the relationship. He could still greet him, still have a good time. But now there's a rule there. And with the love, proper love and respect, you could follow that rule. So then what Jesus did is he took all those commandments and then he put them in a love relationship. And we go to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. It says, and then one of the scribes, chapter 12, uh, verse 28. It says, then one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him and said, the first commandment of all is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is the first commandment. And the second is like it. Like, is like it to the, is, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
And so what Jesus did is he immediately took the commandments that were on a tablet or these rules and regulations. And what he did is he put them in the form of relationship. And then what that does for me, which happens to me all the time when I look at the Bible, is immediately I see those two things as a form of worship. That the minute that, that I see love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, I see that as a, as a form of worship. The, the minute I see love your neighbor as yourself, I see that as a form of worship. And so real quickly, let's just kind of break this down. The, the, the fact that he tells you to love the Lord, the, the most powerful thing about the idea of love is love is an action. Love is a response. And love is worship. So therefore, when I'm loving on God, I am responding guess, to, to, to his form of love that he's given to me continually, right? Because God has loved me even in moments when I've been unlovable. God has loved me even when, when, I, even when I wasn't being like the, the kind of person that should be loved, right? God is loving me. So then therefore my love can be in response to the love that he's given me. That response, that action is an act of worship. That when it talks about in John, we're us worshiping in spirit and in truth. What is that? Well, that's just me loving on God. And what, what happens when I love on God? Well, what happens when I love on God, it's really interesting because God loves, it, God, God's love, it, trans, it translates in so many ways. Uh, uh, you know, there, there are times where, 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 where God, God's love hits me, you know, hit me in a song and I'll just, just boo-hoo and cry because God, you've been so good to me. And then there's times where God loves hit me in a different way where I'm just, you know, I can say this about myself instead of saying this about you, where I'm just being stupid. And God is like, what are you doing? That's, 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 that's God's love hitting me again, right? God's love has so many different ways that it, that it touches me, that he shows me his love. There's love where I'm like, man, God, I don't know what to do. God, help me. And then there's direction. Guess what? That's God's love. So then what do I do back? Well, I follow wherever he asks me to go. I do whatever he asks me to do. I act how he wants me to act in response to the love that he gives me. The next part of that says to love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And if we had a lot more, if we had like a week, we could break all those down. But we could just wrap all those up and say one thing, to love him with absolutely everything. To make your goal loving God. Whatever, you wake up in the morning, man, how am I loving God today? Come on, this is, this is real. Just, just a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we were, we were in Ohio and, and, and my sister-in-law you know, told us about this donut place. And she went and she, she got these donuts. And I love sour cream donuts if they're done really well. That's a big if, right? And so, you know, so uh, she said, well, they've got these donuts. You know, somebody asks you what kind of donut you want in a new donut place. You don't really know what to say, right? You're like, eh, I'll just take what they got. But they, 
got the sour cream donut. And can I just tell you, even now as I'm talking about it, I can even taste how good it is. Like, that's how amazing it was. I'm talking about it. I'm thinking, man, I wish I could go get with that donut right now. But that's a 700-mile drive just to get one donut. So it's a little bit, a little bit too far, maybe. Like, I need another donut, right? And so, <laughs> but, but like, like the, the, the idea of that is that the minute that that happened, well, well, with everything inside of me, when we went back to Ohio, guess what I did? Man, we negotiated, right? We made sure that it was on the agenda. What are things that we're going to do? We're going to get that donut. Like, like it became part of the agenda. Like when God becomes part of your agenda, when you wake up and you think, man, what am I going to do? Whatever God wants me to do, when he becomes part of the agenda, that's when you're doing it with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Now, can I tell you something real quick? And this is, this is where the lamentation scripture hits us. Because can I be honest with you? I'm going to be, I'm going to tell, I'm going to surprise a few people in here because you may not recognize this. You miss it sometimes. <laughs> See that laugh back there? He didn't know that. See, he didn't know. Oh, I miss it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we miss it sometimes. What, what does this say? I think it's, I think it's in Romans. I, I wrote this down. Romans uh, 3, 23 tells us what? That we all do what? Sin and fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> Guess what? That includes you. And that includes me. We all mess up. So guess what we need then? We need that original scripture that we read in Lamentations. We need those mercies that become new every morning. Because with the mercy, what's, what does that allow me to do? Well, that allows me to mess up and then pick up my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, and put them back together again so I can love the Lord again. The mercy allows me then to continue to love on the Lord, right? The mercy allows me then not to just love on God for the moment, but to continue and to pick it up. You're like, yeah, I know this. Good, I'm setting you up. I just want you to know I'm setting all y'all up right now. And how many of you love the mercies of God, yes? So then now we take the mercies of God and then we go to the next scripture. And the next scripture then tells us to do what? To love your neighbor as yourself. Pastor Craig says this all the time. He says that the reason why people struggle with this scripture is because they don't have high value for themselves. And so when you don't have high value for yourself, sometimes you, you, love, you are loving your neighbor like yourself. You're also not loving on yourself either, right? But can I just tell you this? Sometimes if you want to know, and this is super fast, if you want to know the value of where you are, you have to see that you were bought with the price. Come on, you got to see what I'm saying. You were bought with the price. When, when God paid the price for you, he found the most valuable thing that he had and transferred that as payment for you. If you ever wonder how valuable you are, God saw you so valuable enough that he gave up his own son for you. That's how valuable you are. 
You should never question your value. God valued you so much, he gave up his own son for you. And having a son, I can imagine how hard that is, how difficult that was. But that's how valuable he saw you. The next part of this, though, is the execution. I want to execute the idea of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, let's do that real quick. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, tells us something. It's really, it's really neat because this, as we read the scripture, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand that this is the power of you doing the second commandment. The power of the second commandment fits into this, 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 this space right here. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown away and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your, your heavenly father. The, the, the idea is that as you love your neighbor, do you know that's the greatest witnessing tool? Do you know where revival will begin in our church when we start loving our neighbors as ourselves? That's where it starts. We love ourselves right now a lot. I can tell by looking at Facebook, right? We love ourselves a lot. But when we start to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, that's when the light of God shines. That's, that's when you become the light. That's when you become the light to the dark places. That's when you become to the flavor of places that have lost its taste in God. That's the place. That's the place where you begin to witness in just a really simple thing. All you have to do is love your neighbor. So I love, I, love, I love giving action to that. So I want to give you one small place of action. Because loving your neighbor could, could again, we, we could have a week and we could talk about loving your neighbor. But I just want to give you one action tool that will matter to the neighbors, to the people in your world, to the people all around us. And that takes us back to that Lamentations. Because we just got finished talking about how much it meant for us to have mercy. Come on, you got to hear what I say. We just got finished talking about how much, how, how big it was for as we did our walk with God and as we walk our steps and our daily steps with God and how we, we mess up, all of a sudden there is a measure of mercy that comes for me. And man, so therefore, if I'm going to love my neighbor with the same kind of love that I give, I'm going to have to find a measure of mercy for my neighbor. Come on, you got to hear what I'm saying. We're so ready to throw our standards. We're ready to throw people our standards. Tell them how to live. Clean the fish before, it ever get, before we ever catch it. We're, we're so ready to, 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 to lay out, this is what Christian living is. 
When all I have to do is love them the same way I've been loved. And God loved me by showing me mercy. So then all I have to do is do what? Well, show mercy back. Not change lifestyles. Not tell them how to live. Come on, come on. You got to hear what I'm saying. We get, we get lost. We get caught up. We get caught up and, and man, we're watching the news and we just came through June and we all like wired up. Like, what are y'all talking about? And what do we need to do? We just need to give mercy and give love and give to my neighbor the same opportunity that I receive daily, which is mercy. Can I show you something here real quick? I want you to, I want you to go because right, I can see, I can see in some of your faces. You're like, but I don't like how they live. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Romans 12, 9. This is, this is to take the idea of understanding that mercy is still required, that love is still required. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13 and you want to know what to do, <laughs> there's a lot of actions there. There's a lot of actions at which you can do. And one of them is like endures. Yeah. Amen. Somebody want to run on that one? Romans 12, 9, it says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10, love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Man, it I don't like their lifestyle. Bet, that's cool. Don't like their lifestyle. That's all right. That's good. Keep loving them, though. Man, I don't like these things that they stand for, they represent. That's okay. That's okay. Because the thing that will make a difference in their life is not the standard that you live. It's the love that you give. That's the thing that will have the greatest impact. The greatest impact you will ever have on any person is showing them what John 3, 16 says, which God so loved the good people. No, God so loved everybody who was doing it right. No, God so loved the world. As they were, as they are doing what they do. I don't have to participate. Come on, love is not participation. Come on, that's where other places where Christians mess up, right? Well, I'm just trying to love on them, so let's go to the club together, all right? No. Love is, I don't have to do what you do, but I get a chance to show you that God loves you regardless of what you do. Why? Because God loves them regardless of what they do. And if God loves them regardless of what they do, guess who else should be loving them regardless of what they do? We should. If we could find the, the, the place to show mercy. Hey, come on, can I just, can I, can I, can I tell you something? Because in, in reality, when I'm talking about the world, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But meanwhile, you're sitting over here while that person you don't like is sitting way over there. 
And, you're, and, and the, the person who doesn't know God is watching the Christian not love on the other Christian. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about, right? Trying to figure out, why would I want to be like that? Every morning we wake up, the mercies of God is there. Every morning we wake up, the mercy of God is there. Let's represent God. Let's start revival by showing God's love. The power of worship, of using these two commandments, these relationships, what are they? They're relational, right? One is my relationship with God, and I love that vertical worship that I have with God to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. That's me going vertical. And then, then there's the horizontal love where I love my neighbor. And this that's growing from here now gets a chance to go out here. And while I'm loving here, guess what I'm doing? Man, I'm showing people who God is. I'm showing people how great God is. I'm showing them the goodness of God. And man, it may, it may not happen the first time, but you know what? Each time they're going to come back. They're going to come back. When they need something, guess where they're going to go? They're going to go where love is. We have a great opportunity to be that to the, to the world around us, to the people around us. To, tonight, some of you will leave and you will, you will go to a restaurant. How do you treat your waitress, your server? Is there love? But you don't know what they did to my burger. Actually, I do. But still, is there love? Man, that's, a, that's an opportunity to love on somebody, to show somebody the goodness of God who you may not know. Just, 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 just recently, uh, I, you know, we, were, we were downtown Broken Arrow, and, and, and uh, we saw a group from our church here that hadn't seen in a long time. And, and they, were getting, you know, they were getting some dessert. And so I ran across the street and walked in and said hi to them. I hadn't seen them in a long time. And lo and behold, uh, behind the counter was a lady that my wife and I used to go to this restaurant all the time. And, you know, they shut the restaurant down. And so we hadn't seen them. And lo and behold, behind the counter was this lady that we had seen who had been our waitress every time we had gone to this, 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 this restaurant. And I don't know if this was right to do or good to do to hug a person over the counter, you know, but it was happy, she was happy to see me. I was happy to see her. Why? Because of all the times that we'd gone and sat down and got a chance to shine the light. And what did we do? Well, we, we created a relationship. And so now guess what? You know, Chris and I are going to have to get our stuff. I mean, it's going to hurt us to have to go, you know, eat some ice cream. Man, that's just too bad. Chris, they'll know what we're going to do. But now we get a chance to go back and rekindle that relationship and get a chance to go back and talk to her. What did that start? Well, that start from us sitting down at a restaurant that didn't things didn't go right every time, but still showing love every time. Man, that's the impact that we get a chance to have on the world. If you want to make a difference, if you want to make a difference, that's how you make a difference. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to fix them. Just love on them. Give them mercy. Amen? So, Father, you see every person here, God. God, you actually know the past of their lives. God, you know 
(laughs) You know the people. God, you have actually put them in places and you have brought people across their path. God, I want you to open the eyes of every person in here. Enlighten enlighten their sight to be able to see that person, to be able to see the person who needs love, to show them, Father, to give them the right words to say. Father, you said in your word that you would give us the right words to say. Father, we we ask you to, to, to... For every person in here, bring across the path the person that you want to tell that you love them. God, we're here. We're available. We're available to be used by you. And we thank you. With every head bow and every eye closed in this place, if you're you're in here and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, can I just tell you that it's the best decision that you could ever make? That love, I I said this earlier, that God so loved the world. God loved you so much, he sent his only son. And if you're here, if you're here in in, in this room, if you somehow made it through here on a Sunday night and you're hearing all this wonderful thing about God's love, let me tell you something, he loves you, he loves you so much. And it would just be a horrible thing for us to leave this room without giving you an opportunity to step into that love. How do you do that? It's a real simple thing. All you have to do is just say that you, that say, say with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And just with that simple thought, understanding that God did that for you, he sent his son and his son died on the cross for you. That simple belief and statement will change your life forever. And when I have you walking out that love completely the way it's made to be. And if you're in here tonight and you've not done that, you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Just raise your hand. I just wanted to raise your hand. I want to see if there's anybody in here. If there's anybody in here who's ready to make that change, who's ready to make the step, the step that will change your life, that will put you on the path of purpose, that will put you in the path of prosperity. Father, I don't see any hands. But Father, if there's somebody, if there's somebody in here, if there's somebody in here who wanted to raise their hand or should have raised their hand, but didn't. Father, we just pray, Father, that that you continue to bring laborers across their path, continue to bring people across their path to give them the opportunity to make the greatest change they could possibly ever make in their life. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Come on, let me say that again. God is good. His, his mercies are new every morning and his faithfulness, come on, his faithfulness is there all the time.